times to, to share with us. We pray that you would know him and that the words would sink deep in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, band, for uh, leading us. Thank you for sharing your gifts and leading us into to God's presence. Uh, can we just uh, praise God for... Well, welcome, uh, nine o'clockers. It's uh, wonderful to see each of you here today. Um, my name's Andy. I'm privileged to be the senior pastor here at Troy United Methodist Church. And you need to know uh, right off the bat that I, I believe that uh, God really has each one of us here uh, for a reason today. Uh, I, I believe that, that God wants to pour hope and, and courage really, into each of our hearts today as, as we continue in this series, Days and Nights with Jesus. Uh, we, we've been getting, a, a, hopefully, a clearer picture of, of who Jesus really is, his heart, his character, and his mission. And so far in this se- uh, series, uh, Jesus has trashed a party, He's asked the impossible, he's made trees walk, and a few weeks ago we even partnered with him in uh, his feeding of the thousands. And uh, if you uh, weren't here for that, or even if you were, uh, take a look at this. make one final invitation for you to join in that fun Saturday, November 2nd. That's just this coming Saturday. We're finishing what we started a few weeks ago. We'll be packing food for at least 30,000 people uh, more uh, from 9 a.m. until noon. Um, each each shift, uh, just so logistically, you kind of know what's going on. Each shift requires about uh, 120 to 130 people for maximum efficiency. I, I like maximum efficiency, uh, don't you? So uh, 120 to 130 people. Uh, and, and where we have stood earlier this week, we had a, a 
A little over 100 people signed up for the 9 a.m. and the 10 a.m. slots, but only about 35 people signed up for 11 a.m. I don't know if like the 10 o'clockers are planning on just staying on through that or not, hopefully, uh, but, <laughs> but I really hope that you'll sign up today because it's our last Sunday for signups. This is a great serving opportunity to bring your entire family uh, uh, to uh, sign up for one, two, three hours, uh, or there are actually a few opportunities to help out and, and contribute uh, in setup on Thursday at 1 p.m. That's Halloween at, on, at 1 p.m. And then uh, the day after that, Friday evening at about 6.30 p.m. We'd love to have you for any and all of that. But this week, uh, we're continuing uh, this Days and Nights with Jesus uh, with the night Jesus spooked his friends. Uh, let's take a look at this spooky story from Jesus' life. And I'll be reading from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 14, uh, beginning at verse 22. I don't know if you noticed the verse that was quoted in the video earlier, but that was Matthew, chapter 14, verse 21. So this, what we're about to read, uh, came immediately after Jesus fed, at least according to Matthew, uh, 5,000 men besides uh, women and children. And then right after this, we read, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, Walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, many of you have read this or, or heard uh, this, uh, about this encounter before. It, it's definitely a famous one, isn't it? Jesus walking on water. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, even more amazing when you consider the fact that that Jesus wasn't just walking on a calm, picturesque lake up in the mountains uh, where, where the water is smooth like a sheet of ice and you can see the reflection of the trees and the clouds in the water. No, this, this wasn't calm at all. The scriptures say that the wind was strong and therefore significant enough uh, to create waves that the disciples had been rowing all night long and had hardly gotten anywhere. Jesus was walking on that water. It was that water he was walking on. And it makes more sense than why the disciples were so terrified when they saw Jesus because chances are they were already quite a bit terrified 
uh, by the wind and the waves of this storm. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of getting my head ahead of myself. Uh, let's, let's look at the story from the very beginning and work through this. Uh, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Uh, this, this verse is printed in your message notes uh, that you were handed in the bulletin on your way in. So I encourage you uh, to follow along. Look, look at that uh, passage for just a second. It's, it might, it's up on, maybe up on the screen too uh, at the same time. Just, just look at this uh, for a moment. And, and let me, does anything kind of weird just stand out to you about this passage and what is said here? Um, I, maybe not from a quick reading, but for me, this, the third word in this verse just really stands out to me. Jesus made them get into the boat. Now, Bible scholars who uh, understand how uh, just the, the, the original language a little bit better than I do, uh, the, the original language here of the New Testament was, was Greek, and, and they've pointed out that this word made is an emphatic command. Now, this wasn't Jesus. Jesus made them get into the boat. This wasn't Jesus suggesting that they get into the boat and go on ahead of him. This, this wasn't the disciples saying, hey, Jesus, we know you got to do your prayer thing. Uh, we're going to go on ahead of you. You just catch up. Uh, later, and Jesus go, going along with it. That, that, that's not what's going on here at all. Jesus made them get into the boat and go on across the lake. Like parents, you make your kids go to bed, right? It's an emphatic command, which isn't really a big deal until you consider the rest of the context of the story here. Uh, first off, is when I read this story, is anybody else here wondering probably what the disciples were wondering? Uh, okay, Jesus, uh, exactly how are you going to join us on the other side of the lake when we take the only boat? And to, I'm looking at this, this seems like a bit of a setup to me. Um, I, I think we're supposed to see that. Uh, and, and think about this, Jesus made them get into the boat and go as nighttime was approaching. Um, we know that because from the previous section, verse 15, in the feeding of the 5,000, it says, as evening approached. And so they did that whole feeding of the 5,000, and then we read immediately afterwards, immediately Jesus made them get into the boat and go. Nighttime uh, wouldn't have been the best time to go across the lake. Why not, why not just wait until morning? And to top it all off, it wasn't long before the disciples hit strong winds and waves. These guys were fishermen. Half of them were, at least, a little more than half of them. They, they were fishermen. They would have been able to see kind of the, the weather signs that storm was brewing. They weren't dumb. And yet Jesus made them get into the boat and go. He made them go. Now, I'm pretty sure that we are supposed to read the clues here 
and understand that Jesus made his disciples get into a boat at nighttime and head into rough waters. I think Jesus just deliberately sent them into a storm. Now, why would he do that? I, I don't know. But maybe Jesus understands better than we do that when we're in the midst of a storm, we, we depend on him the most. That it's in the storms when we, we just cling to Jesus the hardest. And, and when we do that, that's when we see miracles really happen. You know, maybe Jesus knows that it's in the storms that we lean into him the, the, the hardest, more, more than ever, and we experience a deeper intimacy in our relationship with him than we ever could otherwise. Now, I'm not suggesting that God has caused every stormy situation that you've ever found yourself in. Uh, but God, at the very least, has allowed those stormy circumstances in your life. And in those times, do you depend on Jesus more? I mean, do, do you cling to him more? If you do, you have a high likelihood that, that you're going to see miracles take place in some form or fashion. And you can experience a more profound intimacy in your relationship with him as you cling to him in those difficult times. Uh, furthermore, throughout the scriptures, Jesus tells us that when we trust him and when we follow him in this life, we will have troubles. We will. Jesus says that the world will actually hate his followers, hate us, because the world first hated him. In other words, sometimes just by simply following Jesus obediently, we're going to encounter storms. That, that's what the disciples were literally experiencing here. They got into the boat when Jesus told them to, and they went probably against their better judgment. And you know what? That's what real obedience is, right? You don't follow God and God's ways only when it makes complete sense to you. You don't evaluate all your options and determine, well, you know what? Following God in this circumstance isn't going to be too risky, so you do it. You don't wait to follow God's teachings when you finally understand them completely and no longer have any questions or concerns. That's not obedience. Obedience is only truly obedience when you're willing to follow it, when it doesn't make complete sense, when it doesn't seem like the safest thing to do, when you don't understand why, when it stretches you beyond your comfort zones and it actually costs you something. And at least for the disciples, obedience in this case caused a little bit of panic. As the winds picked up, and as according to verse 24, they, they were buffeted by the waves. Quite, quite a distance from shore. And then in verse 25, it says that just before dawn, so after the disciples had been at this almost all night long, Jesus came to them, walking on the lake. And then in verse 26, 
It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. You know, if I were Jesus, and I'm definitely not, uh, but if, if I were Jesus, I might have tried to have a little fun with this one. Uh, I may have tried to get a little white cloak or something, drape it over myself, cut a couple little holes out for eyes, and, and make some spooky sounds as, as I approached. Oh, to see their faces, that, that would be good. I think, I think God would have laughed at something like that. Um, I guess I'll just have to settle for dressing up uh, this Thursday and scaring a bunch of little kids. Um, uh, here, tent and treat, Thursday, 5 to 7. Hope to see you there. Dress up, scare some kids, right? No, that's... Uh, don't do that. <laughs> but, but come, invite your friends, invite, invite your neighbors. Uh, uh, come if you, if you have little ones. If you don't have little ones, uh, come by yourself. Uh, you can join in the fun and, and the games. You can contact Christine uh, or call the church office this week if you're willing and able. Uh, honestly, I've looked at the weather forecast, kind of like the fishermen, they probably did, and, and it looks kind of nasty coming up on a Halloween night. So when that happens, it means a lot more people show up here because we're indoors. And so we, we need all hands on deck. Uh, you know, the disciples, they had all hands on deck in their circumstance though, and, and they were still getting very scared. So it really didn't matter that Jesus was, uh, was, uh, wasn't wearing a costume. The disciples didn't recognize him. In their fear, they didn't recognize that it was him. How, how many times are you in the midst of a storm, um, metaphorically speaking, you know, where uh, you're in a painful or scary, intense, uh, uh, uncertain situation? And you're just overcome with fear. And for the life of you, you look around and you can't see Jesus. You don't see him. But alas, Jesus wasn't wearing a disguise. And he wasn't trying to terrify them. I may have tried, not Jesus. <laughs> in fact, in fact he's, he's doing, I think, just the opposite. Look at his response in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. This verse, friends, what Jesus says here, this is golden. This is, this is pure gold. Three, three statements, the first and the third statement essentially convey the same meaning, take courage, don't be afraid. But just like an Oreo cookie, it's what's in the middle. That, mm, oh, the awesomeness is found. Jesus says, it is I. The reason we can take courage, the reason we can stop fearing is in this statement. It is I. Now, the original language of the New Testament, uh, which is Greek, um, I said that earlier, uh, so you really get it. Uh, this, this, uh, this phrase is comprised of two words. Two words, um, ego, um, that's the first word in the phrase. Uh, that is, it's actually where we get our word ego from. Um, 
And, and I heard someone explain it this way. If you translate it literally, ego can mean um, it's me. And the second word is a me. And it too can be translated as it's me. Ego, a me. It's me. It's me. But that sounds weird. Uh, so the, the translators put it into language that makes a little more sense to us and conveys uh, essentially the same thing. And, and, and get this, this is where, this is where the, the Oreo uh, just becomes amazing. It's like quadruple stuffed Oreo here. Uh, ego me shows up in the scriptures in a number of other places. Um, th- there are several places, in fact, in the book of John uh, where, where this phrase comes up. And, and it's always from Jesus' lips. Ego me, the bread of life. Ego me, the light of the world. Ego me, the sheep gate. Ego me, the good shepherd. Ego me, the resurrection and the life. Ego me, the way, the truth and the life. Ego me, the true vine. And when Jesus uh, was being arrested in the garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers who had come to arrest him, the Roman soldiers, they came and they said they they were looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And then Jesus said, Ego a me. And they all fell down. They were knocked over. Well, why, why did they fall down? Well, ego a me shows up in another place. Uh, this time in the Old Testament. And some of you are astute enough, you're thinking, well, Andy, ego a me is Greek. And the Old Testament, uh, that was written in a different language. That was written in Hebrew, uh, mostly. Uh, so, so how is that there? Uh, well, that's a good point. Uh, in the second and third century, uh, before uh, BC, uh, before uh, Jesus arrived on the scene, uh, the, the, they worked really hard to translate the Hebrew Old Testament into the common language of the day, which uh, after Alexander the Great conquered a whole bunch of that area, Greek became the common language of the day. So uh, that translation, which took quite a while to accomplish, that translation of the Old Testament is known as the Septuagint. And it's the Greek Old Testament. And the, in the Septuagint, we find ego me showing up in a very important passage in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3. And in this story in Exodus 3, what's going on is Moses is, is before the burning bush, the very presence of God. And um, as he's there, God is speaking out of the bush to Moses, uh, telling Moses, Moses, deliver my people from enslavement in Egypt. And Moses, if you, uh, if you don't know the story, he made up every excuse in the book for why he shouldn't go. Uh, in fact, he, he went through six excuses, and then finally, his last-ditch effort, this is the excuse he came up with. He said, well, God, what should I tell him your name is when I go? And out of the burning bush, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Lord said, ego, amen. 
the very name of God, when Jesus spoke it, the soldiers fell over. And Jesus was telling the disciples the same thing that he's telling us. When you're in a storm, particularly the storms that you find yourself in because you're faithfully following me, Jesus is saying, take courage. Don't be afraid because the God of the universe is here. The God who created, the God who delivers, the God who guards and protects and nurtures and at whose, every, at whose name every knee shall bow. That God is with you. Take courage and don't be afraid. In the middle of your storm, Yahweh, the great I am himself is coming to you. And I want to suggest that what happens next in this story is a model for how we should respond when we're afraid. When we're battling the terror, when we're paralyzed by fear. And I want to hold up Peter as an example for us to follow. Right after Jesus said, hey, go in me, don't be afraid. Peter yelled out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? You know, some people read this and interpret it as, as Peter's great failure. Oh, he didn't stay focused on Jesus. He got distracted by the wind, started sinking. He was afraid, and Jesus reprimanded him for not having enough faith. Oh, you of little faith. But I want to suggest otherwise. Um, I want to ask you and encourage you uh, to follow Peter's example to a T. I know I want to follow that, that direction. When you're in a storm, go to Jesus. Trust him enough to get out of the boat. You didn't see the other disciples getting out of the boat, did you? Only Peter. They stayed where it was safe. They stayed in the boat. You know, those things, uh, uh, you know, the boat kind of represents, I think, some of those things that, that we might otherwise cling to, to bring us safety, to bring us security. Step out of the boat. Go, go to Jesus. And then when you're still afraid, and you will be, you feel yourself sinking. Cry out to Jesus to save you. Don't go lunging back for the boat. Don't try to swim yourself in the stormy waters. Know who it is who can save you. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. Peter trusts Jesus. He steps out of the boat and he walks on water, friends. 
To me, this, this isn't the story of Jesus walking on water, the miracle of Jesus. I mean, he created the water. He can walk on water. This is the miracle of Peter. Peter walking on water. And when he falters, gosh, he knows the source of his deliverance, not himself, not the boat, not the other disciples, but Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus immediately, immediately reaches out and saves Peter. And the implication is that they walk back to the boat together. Why did you ever doubt me, Peter? You, you, can trust, you can trust me to save you. You don't have to be afraid. Look, I, I don't know what it is that may be causing uh, you fear today. I, I, don't, I don't know. Gosh, it could be any number of things. I mean, this, this world, this life, there's a lot to be afraid of, it seems like. Fear of not having enough. A fear of pain fear of rejection, fear of confronting the truth, fear of being alone, fear for your safety, fear of death for yourself or those you love, fear of losing what is most precious to you. I don't know what it is that may be causing you fear, but I do know that the God of the universe is saying, take courage. Don't be afraid. I'm here. It's me. It's me. And Jesus is calling you to come to him, to stop clinging to those lesser things that you think, that you think can keep you safe. But to trust Jesus enough to obediently follow him. And then when that gets difficult, to cry out to him to save you from your doubts, and your fears, and everything else. In fact, if, if you're here today feeling that God may be speaking to your heart to not be afraid, and to get out of the boat, and to come to him to rescue you uh, from whatever it is that has you afraid, um, I, I want to invite you to, to come forward and just be prayed for today. You know, we've been doing this each week during our series, uh, but this week will look very, very different. I think uh, you don't have to come up to, you know, pray with somebody. Uh, just, just come up and, and as many or as few of you there are, I'll, I'll, I'll just pray over all of you at once. Um, if you would uh, like prayer, you can come to uh, kneel at one of the, the, uh, kneeling pads at one of the prayer stations or, or you can come up, you can kneel anywhere around here. If you can't kneel, just physically, there's a front row that, that only a few brave souls sit in. Uh, so you can, you can kneel there, you can sit there too. Uh, but the, the invitation is just to come. And I, I would love to pray for you if, if you are struggling with, with, with fear, something in, in your life that you're just, uh, you're afraid. You don't know what's coming. So that, that's the invitation, really. Uh, you, can, you can come up now. Be nice. I'll let people out of the rows. Uh, it's kind of tight in here. Uh, you're, you're invited. It's not my invitation. It's, it's an invitation from Jesus to come. He says, hey, go. Hey, me. 
It's me, it's me, I'm here. He's calling you to let go of your fears and, and to trust him. You know, you're not, you are not alone in your fears. Heck, I, I, I'm afraid of some things that I'm uncertain about in my future, in my life. And I'm gonna be with you in this prayer. So won't you come? Uh, some of you, you may even wanna come as a family because you're facing some hard stuff and the anxiety is real. Um, so so j just come and you, you can kneel here and, and we'll pray. Uh, I'm just gonna just uh, wait a few moments in, in prayer and invite you to, and, and you can just come. We'll pray in a moment. <laughs>